final Sunday of Planting Season, the series. Here we are, and the title of today's message, That God Be Praised. I don't know if you remember last week, we ended uh, the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And the gift, the indescribable gift, is the gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have forgiveness of sins, through whom we have access to the very throne room of heaven. Through Him we have the promise of eternity. So you would think that Thanksgiving would be pretty easy for us as believers. Thanksgiving, uh, it also happens to be that this week is the Thanksgiving week holiday, and so I'm sure you've, uh, you've left all the Christmas decorations in the boxes because it's not time yet to get Christmas started just yet, right? Am I, am I right? Actually, probably, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, when they started playing that Christmas music November 1st, uh, and uh, I was in Chick-fil-A actually twice this week and got to hear uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I uh, got to hear it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and I looked out the window and I thought, I'm not sure what Christmas looks like. But in southwest Georgia, it takes a little more, uh, you know, because, you know, it's, there's no snow, uh, there's no, you know, and so for us, we, you know, we spent a lot of time in New York, and Christmas came with burr, freezing cold, and flakes from the sky. So they're going to have to do more than play a little uh, music at Chick-fil-A for me to begin to look a lot like Christmas. But, but before we move into the Christmas season, which we're going to start up next Sunday, our Advent season and our Christmas celebration with a new message series, we've come to the end of the planting season and we've come now to what the harvest looks like what the harvest looks like, right? So we've been talking about planting. We've been talking about sowing seed. We've been talking about all of the work that has to go into producing a crop. So what is the vision for what the harvest will look like? And I'm so glad you asked that question. Because today we take a look at what the harvest looks like once all the planting has been done. Once all the waiting and watering and waiting and watering has been done, what can we expect as God's people to see? Well, we can expect to see God be praised. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 13. The book of Hebrews in your New Testament, toward the end, the very last chapter, chapter 13, toward the end of the chapter, verses 15 and 16. And what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to segue from the end of last week, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift, through to the end now of this book from the writer, uh, sorry, these words from the uh, writer of the book of Hebrews. And we're going to take a look at what the harvest looks like. So here we go. Hebrews, two verses. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Here they are. Through... Jesus. Your translation may say through him. And that's the Greek, through him. But the writers of the, the translators of the NIV have helpfully reminded us who the him is that the writer is talking about. The him is Jesus. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit, there it is. What do you expect to see at the end of the harvest? You expect to see the crop. You expect to see the fruit. You expect to see what grew because of all your hard work. The fruit of lips. We'll come back to this. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Short text. A short text. But this is it. This is what the harvest looks like. Once we have, as God's people, planted according to God's vision for us, we can expect a harvest of praise and thanksgiving and a love for each other and for the lost. And when I say lost, I mean those who are outside wondering 
Is there a God? If there is, does he love? Is he good? Does he have good things for me? Is there an eternity, and what does it look like, and how can I know that I will step into eternity with hope, with peace? And here you have it. The vision of the planting season is that we, the people of Morningside, would embark on a series of initiatives that we might reach and retain the individuals and families who will make up the morning side of the future. 70 years ago, 71 years ago, there was a vision for a church in this community through which God would reach the people who would be sitting here today. And some of you were here way back then. We actually have uh, Kay Moore sitting back there. She's been there, been here from the beginning. Many of you joined along the way. Many of you came along, and some of you have been here for 30 and 40 and 50 and even 60 years, reached by a vision that was enacted by the people of Morningside Baptist to reach and retain the folks who would be sitting here today. And here you are. Here you are. They didn't know who you were. They didn't know your names or your faces, but they knew that there were certain things that they would need to do to be effective at reaching folks and, and bringing folks in to not just have a good time, to not just, uh, let's say, be a, a country club or a, um, a cruise ship on land, but to be a congregation of believers set apart for the work of God. And what is the work of God? That people would come through Jesus, through Jesus, into the presence of the living God to offer up their sacrifices of praise, their worship. And why should they do that? Why in the world would anyone ever want to worship someone, let's say, other than themselves? There are a lot of folks out there who, in fact, do worship and serve and honor themselves, and that's kind of the problem, right? It's kind of the problem for all of us, right? It's because we tend to stumble into that pretty easily. But for us, we say, no, 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 the, the richest harvest, the best fruit is the fruit that we offer to God, the sacrifices that we offer to God that come out of our mouths. When we're confessing, acknowledging Jesus is Lord, that he's our Savior, and that he's the Lord of all the earth, and that he is working in us so that we might do good to others, the kind of good that he did when he sent his son for our good. Now, there's a pretty tall order in this text. I don't know if you noticed, but let us continually offer, continually. Continually is, um, well, that's all the time, isn't it? That's all the time. Continually offer a sacrifice, not just sort of, you know, a, a, a one and done kind of an offering of worship and praise and thanksgiving, but a continually offering means, hey, yeah, we're, we're at that work all the time, all the time. Who openly profess means we don't, we don't uh, hide the fact that we're Jesus' people. We don't, we don't come in and gather and say, hey, we love Jesus, we worship Jesus, but we don't want anybody to know about it because <laughs> we might be embarrassed or or they might be embarrassed, or, or they might feel like we were pushing our religion on them. No, we just simply say, hey, I want to tell you about what God has done for me through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, which we're going to come to in a minute, what God has done for me, what he has done for you, what he has done for all of humanity, if only they would see and acknowledge. So this vision, this planting season vision that we've been in here, will lead to a harvest. That's the whole point of seed, right? You toss the seed out because what? You want something to grow. And what it is that grow, grows uh, is human beings. Human beings, you 
and me and others. We grow and then something eventually grows out of us and it's the fruit of worship and it's the fruit of lives transformed for the good of others. We're going to come to this card here at the end. I hope that you brought yours back from last week. Or if you weren't here last week and you didn't get one of these cards, we have some folks who are ready to, um, to hand them out. I see Julianne pointing with the finger because they're right there. And so you're going to need one of these cards a little bit later here in the message. And I'll draw your attention to this here in a second. Um, but Julianne, would you mind uh, like standing and if anybody raises their hand because they don't have one of these cards, you'll be able to get around. Yeah, I see hands kind of going up around it. Uh, I don't know if you'll have enough for every individual, but really you just need one per family group. One per family group. And we'll come to these here in a little bit. Through Jesus, let us offer to God sacrifices. Through Jesus, offer sacrifices. You might be confused about that. You might be confused. You might be thinking to yourself, well, wait a second. I thought Jesus already offered a sacrifice why do I need to offer sacrifices? You might be thinking to yourself, I remember in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, that Israel was supposed to come and they were supposed to regularly offer sacrifices to God, right? They had to bring their offerings to God. And so maybe there was a, a, a goat or a bull or a pigeon or, uh, you know, various birds and animals or grain or oil or various, you know, commodities. And they would offer these things to God. And I thought that when Jesus died on the cross, it made it so that we human beings didn't have to continually offer sacrifices anymore. So why would the writer of Hebrews be telling us to offer sacrifices if Jesus has already done it for us? Well, notice, notice, the kind of sacrifices the writer of Hebrews is asking us to offer God are not bulls and goats and birds and commodities. No, no, no. It's worship. Worship is the sacrifice. Worship is the offering. Why would worship be a sacrifice? I thought the sacrifice was supposed to cost us something. Isn't that what sacrifice means? That, that it costs you something? And oh, oh, yes, you may have already picked up on it. Worshiping God through Jesus means I'm not worshiping me. I'm not exalting me. I'm not honoring, praising, magnifying me. I don't know if you realize this, but this is the source of idolatry. It's the source of every bad act in the world, every underlying motivation for sin is at its root about me. What I want, what I love, what I seek, what I long for, for me. So, at the beginning, the man and the woman in the garden, they said, hey, let's not listen to what God said. Let's instead do what we want for us. And they ate the fruit. And then all throughout Israel's history, they got tripped up. How? Because there were all these gods, gods out there who were offering them, hey, all you've got to do is uh, grease my palm and I'll give you everything you want. And that's what idol worship really was, right? It was how to get what you want for you. There's an idol for that. There's a God for that. And every God that's not the one true God will give you what you want as long as you give them, right? So there's this uh, exchange, right? You give the God what the God wants and the God gives you what you want. And at the end of the day, everybody's happy because I got what I want. The God got what they wanted. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not worship. That's just more self-love, self-worship. 
to continually offer to God praise through Jesus is a sacrifice because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. So why, why would any human being ever want to do that? Why would any human being ever want to, let's say, humble themselves and not live for themselves and instead live for someone else, that someone who lived 2,000 years ago? Why would anybody ever want to do that? Well, because of what Christ has done for you already. Not what he can do, but what he has done. Now notice, in the passage, we're to continually offer to God our sacrifices. And we do that, and the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us why, because of what Christ has already done once for all. He's done. He's done offering sacrifices, and I'm going to show you exactly where this shows up in the book of Hebrews. So in chapter 7, for example, verse 27, the writer says, Unlike the other high priests, this is going back to Israel's history, right? They, had, they were high priests, and once a year the high priest would have to come in and he would have to offer a sacrifice in order to atone for the sins of all the people of Israel. And they had to do this every year. And hey, look, if you sinned, you needed to come and you needed to offer another sacrifice. And then if you did it again, you needed to offer another sacrifice. And, and there were some sins there were no sacrifices for. It was just death. You know? So you, you were out of luck if you committed certain sins. But here, if they were sort of, you know, the, the, the minor garden variety sins, the high priest had to do this all the time. Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. No, no, no. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. When Christ came to the cross and was offered up by humanity as a sacrifice to God, it was one and done. Christ offered himself. And the people, not knowing he was the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, they, not knowingly, they sacrificed him for their very own sins. And we, today, can benefit from his once-for-all sacrifice by simply saying, Jesus' blood stands for me. His sacrifice stands for me. There's a Greek word used three times in the book of Hebrews, it's a very rare Greek word in the Bible. Afapax. <laughs> Afapax. You've never heard that word before, yeah, but most Greek speakers hadn't heard that word either. But here in the book of Hebrews, it shows up three times. Afapax means once for all or one and done. He's done. He doesn't need to keep on doing. He's done. Jesus is finished paying for your sins, paying for my sins, doing the work to bring us to God forgiven. You say, it's not possible. Pastor, you don't know the sins I've committed. No, you're right, I don't. God does. And when God sent the Lord Jesus to die for your sins, he knew every one of them. He knew every one of them. He knew the ones you don't even know yourself because you didn't realize you were sinning when you did that, this, the other. You just didn't even realize. The Scriptures say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Scriptures say there's none righteous, not even one, but Christ standing in my place, standing in your place, offers himself as a sacrifice to God, the pure, spotless, blameless one, the one we sang about today, the one we worship today, he's done. Hebrews chapter 9, same word shows up again. Speaking of Jesus, entering into the holy of holies, entering into the heavenly temple, entering into the presence of God, it says he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. No, 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 no. That's cheap and easy sacrifice. You take a, a goat or, or a calf from your flock or your herd, it may cost you a little bit, 
but it didn't cost too much because you got more goats, you got more calves, you got more, you got more in your pocket for the next sin. No, no, no. He didn't enter by the blood of goats and calves. No, he entered the most holy place of a pox, one and done, by his own blood. Thus, obtaining eternal redemption. Redemption. It's the purchase of someone's freedom. The purchase of someone's freedom. That's what redemption is. He purchased the freedom of all who had sinned by his blood if they are willing to let his blood stand for them. If they're willing to place their faith in his sacrifice, his once for all sacrifice. You're free. Set free. To do what? To live your life however you want. To go back to that self-worship again. To go back to that list of things that got us into trouble in the first place. No, no, no. Free to live for God. No longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to shame. No longer a slave to death. Free. And it's by his blood. But what that means is you and I don't have to, well, we don't have to pay God off. We don't have to somehow earn our right to enter into God's presence. We don't have to make a sacrifice to be set free. Our offerings are offerings of praise and thanksgiving because of what Christ has already done on our behalf. We, he says in Hebrews 10:10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Athapax is done. Why should this be important for us? Well, I think for one, Christ did the heavy lifting, Christ did the work of purchasing for us forgiveness. Redemption, freedom from sin and shame, death and hell. And by his sacrifice, he has purified our souls, made us holy. So that through Jesus, we may enter into the very presence of God, forgiven, redeemed, Holy. Why are you hanging back? Why are you holding back? What is it that you think God needs you to do before you can come into His presence with praise and thanksgiving? What is it that you think you need to have in your pockets? What is it that you think you need to have on your record of good deeds? What is it that you think you've got to eliminate in terms of your bad behavior before you can come through Jesus into the presence of Almighty God? Well, Pastor, I mean, the more and more I think about it, I mean, I've really done a lot in my life that wasn't good. I've done so much in my life that I'm not proud of, and God must surely be uh, uh, displeased with me. Oh, absolutely, friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. But through Jesus, through our faith in him, through our acceptance of his sacrifice on our behalf, he's, he's done. I mean, unless you think it wasn't enough for you. Unless, as God is saying, Christ's blood is enough for you. For you. For you. It's enough for you. You're going to call him a liar? You say, no, 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 not for me. Not for me, God. No, uh, my sins are too great. Uh, my shame is too awful. Um, God could never. And God says, 
I already have. I already have. Now, through Jesus, through the one who died for you, through the one who once for all sacrificed himself for you, come on and offer your sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Come on in. It's time to worship. Come on in and say, hey, yeah, I openly profess Jesus is Lord. I openly profess that what Christ did at the cross was sufficient for me to forgive me of my sins, to redeem me, set me free from shame, and yes, to make me holy and acceptable in the sight of God. Here I come. Here I come. I'm ready. That's what he's done. I, uh, I was thinking about an illustration of this, and I don't know, you may forgive me for being a proud pet owner. Uh, we're cat people in, in my house, and some of you are dog people, and, you know, dog people and cat people, you know, don't always see eye to eye. But uh, we're cat people, and uh, we've had two cats now for a few months. This is uh, Momo, short, short for Moses. Moses is the bigger uh, tabby there. And then Gia, short for Jaconda, which is the Mona Lisa. She's such a pretty little thing, right? And look at them. They were not from the same litter. In fact, one was born here in Columbus, one was born in Augusta. And we just happened to have them and brought them together. Look at them. Not even the same litter, and aren't they precious? Some of you are dog people, and you're like, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> Look at them, right? Momo's already been fixed, so now it could be kittens in our house, all right? We got, we got enough. But look at these precious little things, right? They obviously love each other, right? They hang out together. It's one big, happy, uh, furry family in our house. Well, so that you know, recently a mama cat came into our backyard and had a bunch of little kittens. Okay. So, but we had a full house, right? We got Momo and Gia, and we're like, yeah, we're not taking any more uh, strays in. And so the mama cat kind of goes off, and some of her little uh, kittens went off. But, but one stayed behind. One, one little black kitty stayed behind. And this is a picture of the little black kitty on our back porch eating because my wife is a sucker for furry friends. <laughs> and so he's sitting on the porch looking all pathetic, you know, mew, mew, mew. And so of course she's decided to feed him. And all the other kittens are going, we're not sure, uh, we're not sure how everybody turned out actually, but, uh, but at least one, at least one uh, stuck around. And, you know, he was on our back porch and he was kind of fun, you know, he kind of played through the window. You see they're playing through the window with Gia, you know, and they're like, oh, look, little friends, you know, and he's kind of just uh, uh, hanging out there. Uh, it's hard to see him, right? It's almost you miss him because he's all black and these golden eyes. And he started, he really made our back patio kind of his, his, his studio apartment. Uh, and uh, so we have these plants on the back patio, and we go outside, and we're like, these plants are getting a little stinky. I think somebody's using the plant pots as a litter box. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure enough, oh, look, the hibiscus has some uh, little uh, treasures that have been left here for us to, to clean out. Not the, not the most, you know, appealing here, just shy of lunchtime, but... Yeah, and so there were discussions, ongoing discussions in our household about should we put a litter box out or should we just throw all the plants away? <laughs> you know, because at this point, right, the back patio has become a giant litter box. And so he's looking through the window and, and he's looking all cute and four and, and Allison would go out and she would feed him, we would purr and he would just be all friendly with her. And, and so, yes, you predicted it. We now have... We now have three furry friends all enjoying their afternoon lunch here together. At some point, what Jesus did was he looked at you and me on the outside. He looked at you and me on the outside. And we're coming up to the window. Stinky. <laughs> And he said, what's it going to take to get you inside? Well, sin is the problem. <laughs> it's not a window that's the problem. Sin is the problem. My sin, the sin of humanity, sin, capital S, 
It's not just the wrong I've done, it's the good I haven't done. And it's not even just that, there's something about me. It's, it's not that I'm all bad, you see. It's not that you are all bad. But God is all good, all good. And I'm just not all good. That's the difference, you see, between holy and unholy. It's not one is all good and the other is all bad. It's that holy is all good and you and I fall short. So every good that I try, every act that I try, I will fall infinitely short of an infinitely holy God. And so, how to get you inside? How to get you into God's presence? Me into God's presence when we will forever fall short? God in his infinite wisdom and mercy, sends his infinite perfection in the person of Jesus to die as a human being in your place and mine. And he does, willingly. He submits himself to God. And as a man, he dies. And as God in flesh, his sacrifice, his sacrifice is sufficient. Not just for you and for me, but for the sins of all who call on the name of Jesus. That's some job well done. That's some sacrifice. By his one and done sacrifice of himself, Jesus brings us to God, forgiven redeemed, holy, home. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of faith. Through Jesus, then, you're part of God's family. Through Jesus, God is already pleased with you. Through Christ, you have been forgiven, set free, declared holy and acceptable by God, so come on in. There's a silly movie. You've probably seen it. I think I've seen it about 10 or 12 times. Toy Story, you remember that story with the little th three eyeballed aliens in the pizza planet scene, right? Buzz Lightyear goes into the little claw machine. They're all worshiping the claw. And Buzz goes in, right? And he's like, no, 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 we're going to get out of here. And he saves one of them out the back of the machine. And what do they say? You have saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. Well, that's silly. But is it? Lord Jesus, you've saved our lives. You've saved not only our souls so that we can dwell in some disembodied uh, bliss for all eternity. No, you've saved our souls and you will return and you will grant to us redeemed bodies. You've saved everything and are preparing for us an eternal new creation. And yeah, why wouldn't we worship you? Why wouldn't we come in and declare to you our praise and our thanksgiving? This is the harvest from the seed you've planted, Jesus. The seed of your life planted in the earth has risen up to a harvest of praise and thanksgiving. To a harvest of lives transformed from being unholy to being holy. Unacceptable to acceptable by God. Sinful to forgiven, enslaved to redeemed, here we are, the people purchased by your blood. For some, as, from some of us as believers, we get hung up on Thanksgiving uh, sometimes because it's easy sometimes to focus on the don't-haves 
the not yets, the still waitings, and to forget or even just begin to diminish the indescribable gift that God has given us. Not just a promissory note on eternity, but freedom today. Freedom today to enter with praise and thanksgiving into the very throne room of God. That's why the writer of Hebrews is the one that says, let us therefore enter with boldness into the throne room of God. You may not know this, but the writer of Hebrews was writing to uh, Jewish Christians, Jewish Christians, who had begun to believe life would be better if they left the Christian faith and went back to a Judaism without Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 you can't have God without Jesus. No, 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 you can't have access. You can't have forgiveness. You can't have holiness. You can't have any of the good things that God has for human beings without Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the great high priest who's gone before us into the presence of God. Without Jesus, we've got nothing with Jesus, we have eternal praise and thanksgiving to give to God. This planting season card invites you to consider how you will plant you. That's what planting key, vision key number one is. It says here, we invite you to share whether you sense God calling you into deeper fellowship with Christ and greater conformity to his image. And the question is, do you anticipate looking for opportunities to let him grow you in the coming year? That's vision key number one. It's a priority that each of us can say, I want God to continue to grow me. I want God to continue to do his work in me. Vision key number two. This is about who we are as a church, our identity, our shared purpose. We invite you to share, this is vision key number two, share whether you sense God calling you to pray and work toward reaching others with God's mercy and forgiveness. Do you anticipate looking for opportunities in the coming year to participate in our efforts to reach outside the walls of the church? This very much falls under what the writer of Hebrews has said about doing good to others and sharing what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then vision, number, vision key number three, planting our resources. I talked last week about how resources can be material, they can be spiritual, spiritual gifts, passions. We invite you to share whether you sense God calling you to sow seeds of time, spiritual giftedness, and or resources to support his work through the church. Do you anticipate giving in the coming year according to his will for you? In the last week, I heard two wonderful stories that I'd like to share with you. In the last week, the first one I heard was from an individual in our congregation who said, um, he said to me, uh, I have a neighbor, and my neighbor's a little on the sharply-tongued side. Got some choice words that kind of come out pretty regularly, and um, definitely not a believer. And so every now and again, uh, he was saying, we, we run into each other, and it's, yeah, it's polite and all that, but we're not, we don't really see eye to eye on much of anything. But he said to me, he was going out, and he had, he had been uh, thinking about how God might be calling him in particular ways after some of the messages that he'd heard. And he said, he happened to notice that his next-door neighbor was out at the car, at the, you know, at, at the vehicle, and wasn't able to get the car started. He was on the phone with somebody yelling and talking and carrying on a lot of choice words, right? And, and it just kind of like grated on his ears. And so he got in his car, and he drove to the store, and then he came back. The person was still there talking and, and, and yelling and, and cursing and, and went to go inside and then thought, wait a second. Instead, he went over and said, hey, uh, can I help? The person was talking and 
and cursing and using the Lord's name in vain. Not saying uh, Jesus Christ, our one and only Lord, but, you know, take the, our one and only Lord off. And that's what the individual kept saying. And he certainly said, hey, would you mind just not using the Lord's name that way? The person said, oh, 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 yeah, 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 sorry. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Went in and looked and turned out, I don't even know what this is. I know what a carburetor is, but I don't know what carburetor oil is. But he had some carburetor oil. He, it was fine. Turned over. Car's fixed. And I thought, beautiful. What did it cost this brother? Time and a willingness to be used. So that was story number one. I was like, brother, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me. He said, because in the past, I would have just walked on. And I said, ah, yes, but God has been working in your heart. And you didn't just walk on. Glory to God. And I think here, I think doing good and sharing what you have. It was a little carburetor oil for Pete's sake. <laughs> Beautiful testimony. And the second story I heard was, it was secondhand. So somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to share you a story about what somebody else told me. And I said, okay, well, here's the story. So the person says, I have a small business. I'm not, not, not making a lot of money. But I'd be willing to use some of my services to bless the people in this neighborhood. In this neighborhood. Because I've been hearing the messages and hearing this call uh, to show mercy and to do good. And so what I'd like to do is to use the, the services of my small business to, to bless the people in this neighborhood. And the person that shared this with me said, hey, uh, this person, you know, stepping forward, willing to do that. And I'm like, great, great. Because what that shows is a willingness to make a sacrifice. What you could do for money when you do to share, you see, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying, to share what you have with others. God says, I like that. He says, you know what that reminds me of? When Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice. Now hear you making a sacrifice. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. So what I want to invite you to do today is we're going to have our time of offering. And hopefully you've had your card here, either one for you or one for your family. I want you to make sure you tear off the bottom. There's a little perforated bit there at the bottom. You tear that off, a little prayer on that purple line. You fold that over. This is a little prayer just to remind us of the planting season. And gently tear it off. It's, uh, it's kind of a weak perforation. But you're going to tear that off, and this becomes a bookmark. You put it in your Bible. And if it tears, hopefully we got some extra ones for you. But you just tear this bit off at the bottom and you stick that in your Bible. And your prayer is, God, I thank you for sowing the seed of your gospel into my heart. By faith, I accept your invitation to plant according to the ways you will lead me in the coming year. I pray that you, God, grow a harvest of grace and truth in my life, in my church, and for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You stick that in your Bible. And in just a minute, our ushers and deacons are going to pass the plates. So as they pass the plates, you can put your offering in. If you've got a, um, uh, a welcome card because uh, you're a first-time visitor, go ahead, you can put that in too. If you brought, came prepared for a, a thanks offering, we do this once a year, a thanks offering in the planting season envelope, you can put that in. And then go ahead and put in your invitation to the planting season card. And then the plates have gone by. We're going to spend some time offering a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. These kneelers down here at the front are for you. If you want to come forward and kneel here at the front to offer your sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving or to make your commitment sure, God, I affirm this coming year, I am with you, I am for you, I am coming through Jesus setting aside my priorities, setting aside my hopes and dreams, and taking your vision for my life into my heart. But as we do this, may our worship and our work 
forever please the God who offered his son for us and for our salvation. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. A one and done, a complete, and it is finished kind of a sacrifice so that now we have access to all your forgiveness and your grace and we have access to your holiness that you've imparted to us. You've given to us uh, a holiness that is alien, foreign. It wasn't ours. You gave it to us anyway, having forgiven our sins. And now we have the opportunity to offer something we wouldn't have offered to anyone but ourselves in the past. We offer to you our praise and our worship. We offer to you our very lives, as Paul says, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. And we're going to take some time now, God. We want to individually and as families spend some time here before you with our minds and our hearts and our souls directed to you. Not that you must speak to us, but that you would hear from us the fruit of lips that openly profess the name of Jesus. The sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving and the affirmation that we will be your people and you, through Jesus, will be our God. The plates will pass now. Place your offerings and your cards within them and spend some time. We're going to take a good three, four minutes to pray here. Kneel at the front if you like. Let's spend this time before the Lord. Our worship team is going to come and lead us in worship. And I want to invite you, if you would, where you're seated, to just close your eyes for a moment and picture a scene from the ministry of Jesus where he's reclined at the table at the house of a Pharisee. And this Pharisee is a skeptic. He's a doubter. 
who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't want to know Jesus, but he's being polite. And into the room walks this woman. Everybody gasps because they know exactly who this woman is. She's, she's a woman from town, and yeah, she's, uh, let's just say she's lived a hard life. A notorious sinner, the Pharisee, calls her silently in his heart. And up she walks to Jesus and kneels at his feet, which are out behind him as he's reclined at the table. And with her tears, she begins to wet his feet. And with her hair, she's drying his feet. And there she sits at the feet of Jesus, weeping and worshiping. Worshiping and weeping. And Jesus, looking at the Pharisee and knowing in his heart, he says, who loves much? And the Pharisee, even the Pharisee knows that Jesus explains, this woman worships. She worships the way she worships because she's been forgiven much. I want to worship much. <laughs> I want to worship in accordance with the gift I have received. I want to pour out my love and devotion on the Savior who has loved me to death. I don't want to hold back. I'd rather be embarrassed because what Jesus has done for me, I could never do for myself. And so I invite you, we invite you to stand and let us worship together the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us.